welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm gonna go and introduce our panelists and guys, if you don't mind uh, waving for the video portion of our show, uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor all the way from Washington State this evening, Ward Mythaller. And we also have a, a new addition for this evening. We have attorney all the way from Miami, John Cunnell. Thank you, John, for being on uh, the show. He represents a lot of police officers down in the Miami area. And so we know since it's Miami, he probably has, he's probably a pretty busy guy. And we also have retired Major uh, Ronald McMullen. We have retired Chief John Newman, retired Captain Brett Bartlett, retired Corporal David DeGrusta. And we have producer Will Statzer on the show who makes it all happen. So thanks, guys. Also want to give a shout out to our sponsors. And, you know, we've got a, a number of guys that sponsor our show. And, you know, when I read these names off, guys, just remember that in these days and times, there's not a lot of guys that go out of the way to support law enforcement. So please support our sponsors. We have Calm Case Management. We have Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies. Um, and, uh, you know, they're a, a, a new sponsor. We have GunLearn.com and we have Viridian Weapon Technology. So we will have more information about them uh, later in the show. We're also powered by PECSIP. And we are syndicating the radio five days a week through Good Talk Radio, and we're also on I-10FM. So uh, thanks to everybody that makes the show possible. Guys, we have an interesting lineup for y'all um, this evening. The first thing I want to talk about, and we actually broached this last week, I want to talk about our petitions. We came up with a couple petitions uh, to kind of answer the onslaught of these uh, radical left, uh, you know, people that are trying to take away rights from police officers and stuff. So the first petition that we started, and you know, right now I'm looking, our signature count is only 46 signatures. Um, we need a lot more than that if we're gonna get uh, legislation enacted on these. And they are listed on the petitions.whitehouse.gov website. And so if you get enough petition signatures, of course, they call legislators in to go ahead and look at drafting legislation to go and support the petitions, a response for those. So the first one is called abolish absolute immunity for public officials if qualified immunity is abolished for law enforcement officers. So it seems like a pretty good trade-off. And of course, we're trying to discourage the loss of, um, of the qualified immunity for police officers. So again, if you guys can just share that with all your Facebook friends and we can get a movement going to sign these petitions. Now, the other one is request DOJ investigate improper prosecution of Atlanta police officers by District Attorney Paul Howard and the death of Rayshard Brooks. That's only got 21 signatures. So I think what happened is, is that when people are forwarding the petitions, they're looking at the first one, not seeing the second one. At least I hope that's what's going on. Uh, so if you can forward these petitions or the links to these things separately, um, that will probably go a long way in getting more people to sign them. And they are available on our Facebook page, Leo Roundtable, and, and, and the whole itinerary for the show is on there as well. So you can get all the information from there. Also, our producer, Will Statcher, is going to be putting those the links to those petitions underneath you know, our show credentials as well. So that said, guys, let's go ahead and start off with our, our first one. And this one um, is a little close to home. Uh, a number of us have, not everybody, but a number of us have worked together in Tampa, actually for Tampa Police Department. So this is not, I don't want this to be like the, the Tampa Police Show because it's really not, we cover national news and we have guys from around the country uh, that contribute to the show. But on this particular one, this particular article is covered by lawenforcementtoday.com and it's also by a new source resource that I have. It's tampafp.com, which is the free press. So that's what the FP stands for, free press. And it's with uh, Brian Burns. It's his, uh, his um, 
press company and they're doing a fantastic job the title of this article is called an angry mob is calling for campus chief to be fired for supporting his cops the mayor says he isn't doing or i'm sorry isn't going anywhere so the mayor is saying that you know she's not going to fire him the article makes reference to um, that this group is seeking to have the chief of police fired for having the audacity to support his department which um, arrested nearly 70 what they call in peaceful protesters, otherwise known as rioters, uh, during a demonstration against police brutality at the beginning of June. And so the chief, of course, is Brian Dugan. Uh, a number of us on the show know Brian, have worked with Brian, and uh, he has been urging residents to stand up for police officers while also telling a national television audience, and that's on Fox and Friends, that if people choose to make enemies out of police, they should prepare to make friends with criminals. And Dugan said at the, I guess on June 23rd, to a review board meeting in which these protesters were there calling for his, you know, being fired, uh, he said that he would talk to protesters, but that they would need to calm down first. And of course, when he said that, they just went crazy and uh, he didn't talk to them because they just went freaking berserk. Dugan was appointed as an interim police chief back in 2017 when their then mayor, Bob, uh, Bob Buckhorn, uh, appointed him, and he's since been praised for his uh, what they call plain spoken, accessible style, according to the article. Uh, Dugan is a 30 year veteran of the department. He was supposed to retire last September, and the city approved a two year contract for him to keep him on board. I think it's a, a one year contract with a second year option. Dugan uh, was uh, non contrite about his appearance on Fox and Friends on June 25th, and he said that he and his department would not take a knee beside violent protesters. And here's a quote saying that, I assure you that we are not going to take a knee. And this is what uh, Chief Dugan said in the interview. We're going to stand up, we're going to defend our city. Uh, we're the guardians of the city and we have no intentions of handing over the key to the city to these protesters who quite, quite frankly, are just not always peaceful. So he's telling it like it is. Dugan has also uh, been in a contentious relationship with the state's attorney, Andrew Warren, who last month decided to drop charges against 67 offenders who have been arrested by the Tampa Police Department in downtown Tampa. This caused the chief to criticize the decision, saying that it was uh, it, it disregarded violence uh, towards police officers, as well as looting and vandalism. And in fact, you know, my take from that is that he's rewarding the protesters and if they're not going to get prosecuted, charges are going to get dropped. What's going to deter them from doing this, you know, in the future? But our prosecutor, our state, our state attorney, Andrew Warren, uh, he was backed by George Soros' money to get in the office. So that should tell you a little bit of something. And the president of the Hillsborough NAACP actually supports Brian Dugan as chief. Her name's Yvette Lewis. And, you know, there's some other good stuff in here, too. The uh, Darla Portman, she's the Tampa Police Benevolent Association president, uh, is supportive of uh, Dugan and says the rank-and-file officers appreciate him as well. Charlie Miranda is a city council member for the city of Tampa. He said that if they fire Dugan, that he's going to leave, too. And he's been with the uh, city council since, like, 1970s. He's been there for a long time. He was actually a criminal justice major, for you people who don't know that. So, so I've, I've said a lot. Um, Captain Bartlett, I know that you and I both retired about the same time uh, from the Tampa Police Department. You retired as a captain. I retired as a lowly detective. But I would love to hear your uh, input on this. Well, I, I'm so glad that Chief Dugan finally said what needed to be said. I, I saw the interview on Fox News. Fox News was very impressed. Uh, but a couple of things, and not to disparage what he said. I like what he said. But why didn't they say this in the first couple of days? 
when this when all this crap started wouldn't that have set the tone a little bit earlier because i firmly believe that the tone set by the leaders of a jurisdiction absolutely leads to activity by the bad guys and i think if more arrests have been made initially if this statement had made initially if there was more forceful action by the part of the police i don't think we'd have seen a lot of this behavior but here's what the bad guys do chip and we all know this they take a step forward and if nobody stops them they take another step forward they're not going to stop they're going to constantly expand out their boundaries until something stops them now <clears throat> i can't imagine that chief dugan got on fox news and said all that stuff without the prior approval or at least the knowledge of the mayor this is fox news this, this is big you know to the liberals fox news is like sleeping with the enemy so there had to have been some conversation prior to what was going on prior to the interview about what was going to be said and these mobsters we don't give a crap what they say they're going to cry and whine and they're going to get shrill and they're going to they're going to put their man butt buns up on their head and they're going to they're going to go to their mama's basement and, and, and go back to their beanbag chair and eat cheetos and play xbox they don't care so what he said has absolutely nothing to do with what they want whether he said nice things or bad things it's not going to matter because all over the country police chiefs are getting sucked up into this whole well you hate me and so i'm going to leave and what they're what they're really saying is i'm going to take my pension to get the hell out so good for brian for standing up um chief or the mayor castor has some roll call meetings with the guys later this week i'm really curious to see how that's going to go well i and you know on that note which i'm glad you brought that up captain um I'm getting um, some feedback from my sources, you know, at, at, at TPD. So I'm being told that uh, Brian, um, you know, this this is a very favorable article towards Brian from Law Enforcement Today. I mean, it was it was a great article. Um, no matter how you feel about Brian, it's hard to argue that the article. I don't think it could, it could have been more positive. So I'm being told that Brian's uh, being ordered uh, to apologize for what he said on Fox and Friends. So I don't, I don't know exactly whether it was the, uh, you know, taking a knee or talking, you know, saying we're not going to take it from the protesters and we're not going to hand over the keys to the city, yada, yada. So I'm kind of curious now, since this article just appeared, the article is only like two or three days old. So I'm kind of curious if that's if that is true. And he was entertaining doing the apology thing now. I mean, he can leave on a good note now. And in my opinion, any other conservative kind of city or police department get a job and be like, you know, they would he, he would have welcome arms they would love him to death he's got a lot of high praise but if he eats those words and everything about this article is canceled out i think he'd have he would leave on a bad note and everybody would the union the troops and uh, getting another job unless it was in a you know liberal you know section of the country yeah. uh what do you what are your thoughts on that i, I, know, I, I gotta tell you here. i can't see brian dugan apologizing for that i don't think it's in his nature he's a very forceful not. guy He's, he's a very, he's, you never have any doubt what Brian's thinking at any particular moment about anything. I think if he was going to be forced to apologize, wouldn't he have already done it? If it was going to happen, why let something like that fester and stew? If, if the mayor didn't want him to say it, I think it would have been immediate. The longer it goes on, the longer he doesn't apologize. If that's the plan, it just seems to lose its, um, lose its, its own because we've moved on to other things now. I, I don't think that's the case, and I don't see him doing it. 
Uh, well, thank uh, Dave, um, David. I know you're you're up, but I'd love to get your in, your input on this too. You know, I, I titled the article. It was almost like a Seattle in the making because I kind of see we have the potential to end up in the news like a like Seattle has done lately with this autonomous zone. I mean, we and we know that there's been circulars this past week about people showing up at places to do demonstrations on the Fourth of July in Tampa, and they've been saying, "Look, bring tents and sleeping bags, guys, because you know we may be there for a long time." So. Um, we could be close. David? You know, I, I, if you're going to go into New York, Seattle, and Atlanta, the next three uh, blurbs, I'll, I'll reserve my comment until then because it'll cover all of them all together. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Guys, is there, um, is there anybody else on this one before we move on to the next story then? All right. Then we're going to stay in the, in the same category. Then we're just changing the locations then. So our, our next story and we're on leoferris.com and police1.com. Here's what the NYPD's $1 billion in cuts looks like. So, and this first part is covered under Leo Affairs. So it talks about Mayor Bill de Blasio and the city council. They reached an agreement on an $88.1 billion fiscal year for the 2021 budget. And it includes $1 billion in cuts to NYPD. So, the budget's been, uh, I guess, has taken more than $7.2 billion in a hit as a result of the coronavirus pandemic as well. So there's a, a loss in funding for NYPD. De Blasio initially opposed slashing the budget, um, and it was a $6 billion budget uh, by $1 billion. And he said cuts to the department would be made by canceling the upcoming recruit class uh, in July. So they've done that. And as a result of the cuts, NYPD's 36,000 uh, uniform headcount is going to be reduced to, uh, I guess, by uh, 1,163. So it doesn't sound like a lot, uh, but remember, they also disbanded that, you know, plain clothes squad too, and they're going to hire more recruit classes, I guess, for the following month. So moving ahead to the next article, we're starting off with 41 shot in New York City over the July 4th weekend with at least four dead. And according to the Police Benevolent Association there, they tweeted on Sunday that criminals with guns fear no consequences in New York City. And that very well you know, might be the truth. So any comments on that one before I, I move on to the next city? All right, we're still in the same neighborhood here. All right, guys. Then moving along here, now we're back in Seattle, and this is covered by PoliceOne.com and also Leo Affairs. Seattle cops clear the occupied zone, and they make more than 20 arrests. So it says that Seattle police showed up in force. Now, this is not something you've heard for a very long time, Seattle police showing up or doing anything by force. But they showed up in force early on Wednesday at the city's occupied protest zone. They tore down demonstrators' tents. They used bicycles to herd the protesters after the mayor ordered the area to be cleared following two fatal shootings in less than two weeks. So television images say showed no signs of clashes between the police and uh, many were dressed in riot gear. There were dozens of protesters at the Capitol Hill occupied protest zone that was set up near the downtown area following the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Police formed the zone known as CHOP, C-H-O-P, about five o'clock in the morning. And that's probably what gave them the advantage, Brett. And uh, there was a loud bang. So I'm assuming they had what SWAT there, maybe or somebody doing the flash bang thing there. And uh, John knows about that. 
And um, they heard it about 6.15 in the morning, followed by a cloud of smoke. At least 23 people were arrested. And this according to the police chief, Carmen Best, whose hands have been held behind her back. Police tore down fences that the protesters had erected around their tents, and they used batons to poke holes inside the bushes. They're looking for people that are hiding. And one officer took a sign saying that we are not leaving. Listen to this. How ironic is this? The sign said, David, we're not leaving until our demands are met. Number one, defund uh, the uh, Seattle Police Department by 50% now. And number two, fund black communities. Number three, free all protesters who've been arrested, you know. So I guess they backed away from that promise. Most protesters appear to have uh, dispersed several hours after the operation started, and armed officers took, uh, I guess they looked on from rooftops as cleanup crews of workers arrived. They were breaking down tables and tarps and all that stuff. So I'm assuming they had snipers on the roofs. At least that's what I'm hoping they were. I hope they just weren't cops with just regular, you know, pistols, you know, going to take shots from that. So I hope they did it the right way. Officers were investigating several vehicles that were circling the area. While this is going on, they had people with firearms and body armor circling, and, uh, and there were no visible license plates. So that was interesting. Protesters, protesters of course, occupied six blocks around the park for about two weeks, and also the abandoned uh, police precinct. That's just a wild story. The mayor's name is Jenny Durkin, and she uh, issued orders for the protesters to leave after, of course, the violence kind of got out of control and after she rejected Trump's attempts to help her out. She said that she supports peaceful demonstrations, but that enough is enough. So finally, I guess enough is enough for her. The chop has become lawless and brutal. Four shootings, two fatal, robbery, assaults, violence, uh, countless property crimes have occurred in this uh several block area and this is all quotes from her so i guess that's what it took to get her to finally um do the mayor thing any comments on this one guys or we're going to go on to the next one all right david's storing it all inside so all right moving again then to our next one then and this is uh in atlanta so police1.com 170 atlanta police officers called in sick after the cops were charged in the rayshard brooks shooting so we've got 170 Atlanta police officers called out sick in the days after two cops were charged in the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks. The wave of officers who did not show up for work has been dubbed the blue flu. We're all familiar with that, although we've never participated in it, I suspect because most of us don't believe in that. Um, the majority of the officers who called in sick worked in the downtown area where the protests have had their largest presence. Goes on to say that, uh, well, just so we know who the players are, interim police chief is Rodney Bryant, and the Atlanta mayor is Keisha Lance Bottoms. So in total, 171 officers called out sick between June the 17th, which was the day the officers were actually charged in the Brooks death, and last Saturday, according to the documents. And former officer Garrett Rolfe faces 11 charges, including felony murder, and officer Devin Brosnan faces four charges. And it goes on to say that, um, here's a quote from a detective, Vince Veliquez, and he's a retired detective. He says that some of the officers have flatly told him that they were afraid to go to work, to answer the calls and commit to a process and feel like they're doing the right thing and then feel like they're doing their jobs. But not after that, they feel like they run the risk of being disciplined by the department, but not just that, but also being prosecuted too. So in addition to the uptick in officers calling in sick, the department has also had 10 officers resign in June. According to Channel 2, another five officers have been dismissed and five more have retired. So they are losing people in in a big way. Comments, guys? Uh, I see David's hand moving. Could it be oh, an open yeah. mic? We have no, it, yes. It's, it's a very simple statement. There's only one statement, there's only one sentence that needs to be said. I think it encompasses everything that Brett has talked about, about agendas and 
all that sort of stuff, what Ron McMullen is feeling, all these things. You get what you vote for, people, and now you're getting it. That's the end of it right there. I'm all done with these cities. Thanks, David. Chief Newman. You know, I'm, I, I listened to this, you know, last week I got to watch the show. I wasn't be able to, wasn't able to be here. I, 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 I'm out of energy. We all talked about what these cities were going to look like when you defund or demoralize law enforcement. You know, they're not, you know, you're, you're seeing what the numbers look like. You know, I was taken back watching Sean Hannity the other night when not even the mayor or the chief had called um, the father of one of the kids that were shot in the chop zone. Um, I think Chief Dugan is a stand-up guy. Uh, Brett said it right. You know, you see him coming, you know, you know exactly where the man stands. I also know that chiefs work for mayors or they work for commissions. And sometimes, like in the Carmen Best situation, I think David or Brett just say it, they felt like she felt like our, our hands were tied. We all know what these chiefs want to do. Um, and But protests by their nature are very, very political. And I don't pretend to be a politician, but I do know one thing. We all talked about this when this broke a few weeks ago. We said the conversation is going to be fascinating, but the end results are going to be predictable. You reap what you sow, like David said. Crime's going to go up. Victims, innocent people are going to get victimized by people because we released them on bail reform. We released them into the neighborhoods because of COVID and got them out of prisons. That's a powder keg to begin with. You have these protesters that are not organic. They can care less. They're pulling down statues of anybody. Um, they just want chaos is all they want. And we knew what these cities were going to look like. We knew what these metropolitan areas were going to live through if you lived in those cities. And here we are. And I guess I'm, I guess I'm kind of out of energy, like most of us are. Like David said, you can wrap it up in one word you reap what, or a phrase, you reap what you sow. But we all knew what the outcome was going to be because we're lifelong law enforcement people. And that's really disappointing because they won't listen to us. You know, they don't want to listen to what we have to say about what it's going to look like when you tell police officers not to police or when you take a billion dollars away from, you know, the largest law enforcement agency in the world or you take away tactics like plain clothes. What do you think? People are just going to behave? If they were going to behave, we wouldn't have been around for all these years. And like I said, it's just it's predictable. It's disappointing. But I think people like us who are in it for our whole careers, a lot of folks are just putting their head down and moving their feet. And they're hoping that this goes by and they're able to go back to work. But I've never seen it like this before. And when the facts come out and the crime goes up, you know, we don't want we don't want to get in that position where we told you so. But boy, we sure did. Thanks, Chief. You know, I know that people have a tendency to listen to the loudest voices, even though it's the, the, the smallest number of people in the room. And that's what we've got going on here. Um, and again, I'm going to bring up the petitions again that we started. You know, police, we're losing ground. And, and you know, we don't need to be because we're in the right. And I think that we have the support of most of the citizens. So, uh, again, don't think that it cannot happen here. And that's why e even in Tampa, for people who aren't, you know, this petition is a national petition. Both of these things are. But, you know, don't think that it can't happen where you live. And, you know, if you just are not paying attention, you think that things are just going to change. If you don't do something proactive, uh, you could easily find yourself in a in a, a situation where, you know, the people aren't being prosecuted. You know, the, the you know, you're going to start having protests and you're going to have people walking with the protesters, whether it's the state attorney, the mayor or whatever. And you can have yourself in a, in a world of hurt and then trying to undo, unring that bell. It's going to be very difficult. So, um so thanks, guys, for um, for the input on that.
I'm going to go ahead and um, and talk about you know one of our sponsors. And they have case management software, and it's it's I've seen it. It's, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. In fact, if you work in internal affairs and you're watching our show, talk to your agency about getting it. Um, if you're tired of case and record management systems that are difficult to use, if they're inaccurate and hard to report off of, how about help desks that take hours to respond to simple questions that take or should just take seconds to answer. Check out Column Case Management state-of-the-art investigative software with a 24-hour help desk. They respond within 30 to 45 seconds. And besides great customer service, investigators choose Column's modern software platform for the following reasons. Their software makes it easier to enter and manage data through the life cycle of the case. And with their link analysis module, investigators and analysts can effortlessly connect the dots throughout the case life cycle. You can quickly drag and drop any size attachments, including video into a case. Smart reporting helps generate reports with the click of a button or on a schedule. And for law enforcement agencies, their community policing module attracts, manages, and prioritizes all complaints and plans that citizens submit. And with their mobile-first technology, you can use your smartphone, laptop, and or the desktop and have the same functionality. So from the opening case complaint, being closed, let column case manage the life cycle of a case. Chicago PD is actually their biggest client, but the typical typical agency is only 15 to 20, I'm sorry, 15 to 30 investigators using the application. So it kind of gives you an idea how big they can go or how small they can go. So for more information, simply visit their website at columncase.com or schedule a free demo by emailing info at columncase.com. So thanks guys for the sponsorship. We really appreciate it. Now, guys, on that note, let's go to our next one then. And we've got plenty more stuff in the news. And we got some great videos coming up too. I think we are going to have time to get to those. So on policeone.com, we've got a guy that we talk about occasionally, Lieutenant Dan Marco. So I know he's not a favorite of wards. And, and I know I think David's going to talk a little bit on this one. I actually like the article. I didn't like how he chose the agencies, but I'll get to that in a second. The article is titled Considering Leaving Law Enforcement with a question mark. Go elsewhere, young man, or go elsewhere, young officer, go elsewhere is what he says. So many officers are finding it unbearable to stand down while incompetent mayors and governors allow anarchists to run amok, destroying the cities they once loved. City councils are punishing police departments by taking away funding and positions and tools in a uh, response to office, uh, to offenses uh, hundreds of thousands of officers have not committed. So he says that if he was still in law enforcement, he would never let incompetent politicians chase him from his chosen profession. However, he would consider finding a location to police where he might be better appreciated. And with that in mind, he asked himself if he was going to consider a move now, where would he go? Where would he find a quality of life um, inside and outside of law enforcement that might make an improvement for this unpleasant situation that he finds himself in? And so he, he lists uh, top cities to live in, uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina Police Department, Savannah, Georgia Police Department. Yeah, I, I said Georgia. Uh, and then La Crosse, Wisconsin Police Department. And that's actually the agency that he retired from. So one thing I will throw in there, Dave, is that um, I guess to he talks about the La Crosse, Wisconsin Department that he retired from. They actually, they're interested in experienced police officers, but they have a hiring program where an officer can laterally transfer from another agency 
so they give you credit for your years of experience elsewhere, and they're counted in consideration of pay, vacation time, all that stuff. So an experienced officer doesn't have to start from square one, which is kind of cool, I guess. Um, I think a number of officers do that when compared to compliance. He says that he can understand any police officer who has a mayor city council bending to a mob of anarchists. Man, that sounds familiar, guys, doesn't it? Uh, they're, they're finding that being a cop in such an environment is untenable. However, um, think about this before you do anything. These officials' incompetence is not only obvious to you, but to the people who elected them. So please do consider outlasting the incompetence, as probably Brett would would support, I would think, or even becoming a leader in changing the agent, uh, the agency of your you know of your department, you know, by contributing to it. it. Help your fellow officers navigate through these rough waters by you know being part of the staff. And he says, trust me when I say things will get better. However, if you truly believe that you have to get out, don't just leave the profession. Realize that you as an experienced officer, that you're an essential commodity becoming more sought after every day by other agencies. So before you leave law enforcement altogether, consider the thousands of cities and, and counties hungry to hire someone of your caliber and experience. So if you're a good cop who in these bad times is thinking of quitting law enforcement, don't just resign, relocate and renew yourself and your career. So Corporal David, love to get your input on this. You know, I usually try to, I re usually try to defend Lieutenant Dan uh, from, from Ward's attacks of and accusations of mental masturbation. But in this case, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. This, I, th I looked down at the bottom of the article. To I'm certain that his source was his subscription to Good Housekeeping magazine. It had to be. That's the only thing I could think it could have, but it could have come from. <clears throat> Again, how he picked the cities, I have no idea. But, but he talks to two PIOs, two public information officers, and, a, and an assistant chief. Really? Oh, they're going to tell you. Oh, no, I, I wouldn't come here, man. It's, it's really going south. I, yeah, what an idiot. Number one, let's go down to some, because this is important stuff. In this time, especially when guys really could be considering leaving and going to another agency, just like he said, I agree about the election cycles. Look at the election cycles. See what happens. I agree with that part. And a history of liberal leadership in, in, a, in a metropolitan city is another thing you need to need to check off. But really, think about it this way, guys. If you're already an, a certified law enforcement agent, you need to try to stay in the same state. Try to, at least. That way you don't have to go through some huge comparative compliance academy at, in another state. Secondly, if you stay in the same state, if I'll use Florida as an example, a lot of these sheriff's offices, especially sheriff's offices in Florida, they all are under the same pension system. So you can go from a sheriff's office in South Florida, Broward County, say you, you hate the, the sheriff's office, you want to move, and you want to go to wonderful Imperial Polk County and work for Grady Judd, or maybe come <laughs> up to Hillsborough and work for Ron McMullen, you're going to be under the same pension system. So you lose nothing in that regard. Number that's, that's another good point. And the people that you talk to when you're look, thinking about going to another agency are the union reps, the guys that represent officers when they're having a hard time, when, when, when something goes wrong. How are they interacting with, with the administration? How does the administration treat certain things? Do they, are they understanding? Are they hard? Are, I mean, what, how does the whole internal affairs system work when an officer has a problem, because when it's a good day, it's a good day for everybody. It's when it's the bad days that that make the difference. Go there to these agencies and go on ride-alongs, at least two. Get copies of and review the use of force policies for the agency that you're considering. That's a very important thing. Know what's expected. Know that. Look at the the policy and say, yes, I can work under that policy. It doesn't have those weird, strange, you know, hindsight words in it, like 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 necessary and the whole California thing going on. Very bad. 
check what the qualified immunity stance is in the jurisdiction that you're thinking about going to. Another important thing, but again, that's more of a national issue, something that's going to have to be dealt with there. But those are the important things. If you can take that list and go down that list and, and look at another agency objectively with that list and then do your own research, you know, do, do Internet searches on the agency, do Internet searches on the sheriff or the police chief, the mayor, the county commission, whatever, see their policies, see their histories, things of that nature. That will give you a good idea as to whether or not you are interested in applying to that agency. I do agree there's lots of agencies out there that would be very willing. And I understand that Northern California is a completely different state for you people out there, you guys and girls that are working out there. But those are the important points. I, where the Lieutenant Dan got his stuff, I, I, the article was crap. Good premise, but he, just, he left it flat. That's an important, this is a very important issue, I think, especially in today's times, I'll repeat myself, that needed a little bit better in-depth um, uh, exploration to decide what guys need to do if they're thinking about it. Well, th thanks, David. Great point. You know, Ward's usually the guy that does the research and takes the notes, but I saw you looking down at something. Did Ward make notes to you and email them to you and you printed them out and that's what you're using? Is that what's no. going on here? No, not at all. I, I, did, I did my own research. I, I didn't want to take up Ward's time. I know how much, how much he hates <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> so I did it myself. Take the pressure uh, off Ward for once. Well, Ward's mic is open, so we get we get to hear from uh, from Ward. So, and, and Ward, I, I can hear the rioters chanting outside your place right now, faintly. But go ahead. I have moved from Seattle to the bottom of Mount Rainier. I can assure you, there's no protesters here. I wasn't going to say anything about this article, but I'm mightily impressed with David's comments. And I, my only comment is, I was encourage him to write an article himself for Police One. I think it'd be great. Ah. Oh. Great idea. I like. All right, guys, is there is there anybody else? I concur. Oh, and that would that, that's Ron McMullen running for Hillsboro County Sheriff, by the way. I know you people are looking at our show saying, man, that guy looks familiar. That voice, that voice, that's an amazing voice. He should be a voice actor. I know. That's he's running. Look at that. Look at the sign in the back. McMullen for sheriff. Ronmcmullen.com. Yes. Got it. Thanks, guys. All right. Moving along here then. Uh, we've got another good one here. And let's see, we're on uh, Police One Caliber Press article, so we know it's going to be uh, good. 10,000 police officers respond to a policing poll that was set up between Caliber Press and Police One. Only 7% would recommend becoming a cop. It's a really interesting poll, guys. I think they're still soliciting input for it. So I encourage you guys to look at the links that producer Will is going to put under under the show when you when you hear this thing. Uh, last week, it talks about Caliber Press and Police One asking officers across the country to share their thoughts on the state and future of the police profession. And the response was overwhelming. And here's what the reader said. And uh, time on the job of the more than 10,000 officers who participated in the poll. And guys, I will tell you that that's a huge number. That's a huge number for participation in polls. So only police one can pull that off. But it says that 44.5% have been on the job for more than 20 years. And then almost 30% have been on the job between 13 to 20 years. And just shy of 20% have been on the job between 6 to 12 years. And the remaining 7.9% for five years or less. So it's a pretty decent spread. Um, so it talks about several things, but on job satisfaction, I'm going to take the highlights that I think are most important. Job satisfaction, 14.2% reported very little job satisfaction. So 
but it's only 14.2, but that is, you know, significant. Now, as far as leaving the job, those numbers are going to start increasing. When asked about their thoughts on leaving law enforcement, just over 30% said that they will remain on the job as long as possible. However, nearly half said that they would like to retire, but were waiting until they were eligible for their pensions, so they're smart, while 16.3% said that they were now eligible for full pension and that they are going to retire ASAP. About 8% said that they were not eligible for pension but were leaving law enforcement anyway, and just a fraction said that they were new to the job, plan to leave no matter what. So interesting data on that. Now, as far as the future goes, when asked if they would recommend police work to a son or a daughter, a whopping 80.5% said no, no way, while 7.2% said that they would. And the remaining 12.3% said they just weren't sure. And I guess lastly, talked about those who said that they would not recommend that their children become law enforcement officers were asked to select all the reasons they feel that way from a list of multiple concerns provided in the poll so they could respond to more than one of these reasons. So 88% said that lack of department support, 83% overall lack of respect for the profession, 63% selected increased legal liability 63 percent also said the duties of the job have changed for the worse and lastly 58 percent said they had concerns for officer safety so guys just a um man a, a whole gamut of reasons here very important stuff so any uh, i guess we have uh major ron you want to go first and then captain brett yeah i was just gonna say you know um, actually, that was a slightly lower than I thought it would be, you know, who would um, recommend the job. But just like Chief Newman said earlier, what do you expect? We're all lifelong um, police officers here and attorneys. You know, um, what did you expect? But what I want, I'd implore everyone not to make a decision on a motion now, right now. Um, it's a pendulum, you know, 9-11, everyone wants to slop sugar with you and buy you, buy you dinner and buy you a meal. And now one idiot screws up and we're all painted with the same brush. We have to atone for some, you know, sociopath in a different state, you know, and some for some of the passes, you know, you know, from our past uh, experience of this country, like Bull Connor in Alabama. But to me, I mean, I love the game. I understand it. Um, I don't, I hate the politics and law enforcement. There should never, ever be politics and law enforcement. You know, you have the U.S. Constitution, the Constitution of the state of Florida, and you have the law, law and order. And uh, that's what I truly believe in. So, um, but I do like your petition. If we get rid of qualified immunity for police officers, let's get rid of absolute immunity for everyone else. But the whole point is, that's just like saying, oh, we're going to change the whole insurance, uh, insurance, health insurance for the whole country. Oh, except us. You know, do, you know, Congress didn't change their health insurance. They just changed everyone else's. So I don't see that going very far, although I agree with the petition, so on and so forth. But um, let's not um, act on too much emotion, folks, because this is a pendulum. I think when, when common sense folk start seeing how many people are, you know, rape, pillage, and plundered, like that stupid-ass Chaz or Chop, then they'll understand. They'll start getting it. When this stuff spreads into really, really nice neighborhoods and spray painting uh, on, on their property, and then they'll get it. They'll understand. When they get state attorneys that arrest them instead of the protesters, then they'll get it. They'll understand. They'll feel our pain, and the pendulum will swing back the other way. So hang in there, folks. God bless America. God bless Hillsborough County. 
Thank you, Major. Hey, before you go, Brett, I just want to say uh, two things. Number one, I, Ron, I had help with the petition. Uh, Ward was instrumental in, in that little angle, you know, for the uh, qualified immunity. I thought that was brilliant. So, um, well, and it was, I, it was also, extremely well written. I, ex I expected Ward to be the writer. So it, yeah, it has some Harvard <laughs> roots to it. I'll, I'll say yeah. that. So. But, but, but speaking of Harvard, we have a video coming up. Hopefully, we'll have time to get to it that has Harvard roots too. I, I can't wait to see what uh, Ward has to say about this Harvard chick talking on the video. But uh, I also, I also want to take a moment. I want to tell you guys about my friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Throughout my career, I've seen firsthand what can happen if a law enforcement agency's extra duty program is not given the necessary attention and resources that it requires. Inefficiencies in detail, awarding processes, payroll nightmares, and collection calls can derail your staff's production and morale, as well as jeopardize your agency's reputation. So with proper oversight, your agency's extra duty, off-duty employment program, it can be profitable. Extra Duty Solutions, they administer these programs at no cost to your agency or municipality while taking on all the administrative burden and financial risks, such as bad debts from unpaid invoices, and they float the cost. They utilize your agency's rules, processes, and scheduling algorithms to avoid grievances, and they keep the program fair and transparent. So the officers that are most eligible to work the assignments, they actually are the guys to get first crack at working them. And Extra Duty Solutions has pulled out, uh, paid out over a whopping 50, that's five zero million dollars in extra duty work within the past 12 months, and they've never been late ever. So at no cost to your agency or municipality, this service is truly a win-win for your agency, the customers, and the community that you represent. I encourage you to visit their website at extradutysolutions.com. A new and more efficient way to administer your extra duty has arrived. So that said, Captain Brett would love to get your input on this. Well, I, I tell you, Chip, we've all been through some hard times. You know, I, I had almost 32 years on, and, that, and I left six years ago. So I, I was around <clears throat> during the ups and downs, back when we couldn't chase cars, back when we could, back when the bad guys were just killing us. Back when we take reports home to write it because we didn't have time at work because we were just called the call the call. The ups and the downs, we've all been through, but we all stayed. But I have never seen such a lack of leadership ever. And it's endemic. It's nationwide. Cops will go to the edge of hell for the chief as long as the chief is standing right next to him. Right? They would. There's, we, we do not lose sleep over protesters or rioters or looters or criminals. We don't lose sleep. We lose sleep because we're worried about the knife in our back. And this is the why. This is why people don't want to be cops these days. It's not because of criminals. So what? Criminals come, criminals go. But when you go out there and make a mistake and you're, you're put in jail for murder, that's why police don't want to be police anymore. Why would you come into this job? knowing that the first thing that bad happened to you, we're going to throw you to the wolves. I think it is different. And, and I think Ron's right. I believe it's going to shift. I don't know when that's going to be. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for it to shift, I don't want to get arrested for going out there and doing my job. We haven't seen it. Even back in this, you know, the late 60s, we all read about it. Protesters, rioters, uh, anarchy in the streets. It was never this bad. The mayors and the chiefs always had the police back. But this, this is horrible. It's not what's in front of us that scares us. It's what we can't see behind us that, that, that frightens us. I think you nailed it. I think you hit, hit the nail on the head, Brett, with that one. So thank you. Corporal David. Yeah, just a couple of quick thoughts on the article. The things that, the, the couple of things that jumped out at me, the one stat about leaving a job, it said 30% said they will remain on the job as long as possible. 
I'd want a definition of what that is. I mean, what do they mean when they say as long as possible? In the current atmosphere, that could be next weekend, you know, the next time something bad happens. Oh, as long as I could manage to stay in this crap, and they leave. So that 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 I, I wasn't real. That one was kind of misleading. Um, and you know, I, I answered a, a viewer on on um, YouTube, and he asked. He said something about he was in school when he got out. He wanted to do this, do that. What should he do? How should he approach it? And I, and I gave him the, the rundown like I did on an earlier article, kind of, some of it, anyways. And then I told him become a firefighter. So. Uh, as far as my applications to it, Brett's got a kid in it. John's got a kid in it. I, I, I feel so, so bad for th those dads looking at their kids in it that I, I, would, have, I would never um, advise anybody at this point to do it. It's, it's, it's just a bad time. Brett talks about you know, the history, the ups and downs. I was there with Brett through a lot of that stuff. Um, but like he said, it's, it's gotten to a point now where I, 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 the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is a is a pinprick. I don't know. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Guys, is there anybody else on this one? All right. Thank you to our panel uh, and thank you to our special guest, John Cunnell, for being here. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Column Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, uh, Guardian Alliance Technologies, new new uh, newcomer, gunlearn.com and Viridian Weapon Technologies. Also for being powered by Pexip, and also syndicating the radio uh, by Good Talk Radio and also by I-10 FM. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys. Good night.